Hi, this is Bill Woods, and I just wanted to have our weekly visit. I was uh, doing some reading, and I was reminded that, uh, you know, people sometimes think if they have enough riches, if they've got enough uh, material things, they're going to be happy. John D. Rockefeller was asked one time, he was the founder of the Standard Oil Company, the first billionaire in the United States of America, and once the richest man on earth, and he was asked one time by a reporter, how much money is enough? And he calmly replied, just a little bit more. That's kind of what we're talking about today. When we talk about the rich young ruler that came to Jesus Christ, and I'm entitling this sermon, One Thing Thou Lackest. In Luke chapter 18, 18 through 24, said, Once a religious leader asked Jesus this question, Good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. The man replied, I've carefully obeyed all these commands since I was, a, since I was young. When Jesus heard his answer, he said, There is still one thing you haven't done. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven, and then come follow me. But the young man, when he heard this, he became sad, for he was very rich. When Jesus saw this, he said, How hard it is for a rich, the rich to enter the kingdom of God. He was a rich young man with breeding and prestige. People thought he had everything, but something was still missing. He felt an emptiness that he had not been able to fill. He heard Jesus was in town, so he came to see what this famous itinerant preacher had to offer. The Bible says when Jesus saw him, he loved him. Jesus was impressed at this young man's potential for God's kingdom. As he approached Jesus, he said, Good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Probably people that heard him were amazed that he had any kind of need at all. They probably all looked and thought, If only we could be like him, we could afford anything we want. Certainly we would be happy. This young man had wealth. Economically, he didn't need anything. The Bible says he was very rich. He had youth. Youth may not be everything, but throughout history, people have spent fortunes trying to get their youth back once it was gone. Ponce de Leon searched for the fountain of youth, and he found Florida. The Bible says he was that this young man was young. Matthew 19.22 says, But when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. It's strange how material things that rust or get eaten by bugs or get stolen, get destroyed, how they're able to get in the way of our real treasures in heaven. When we were in Phoenix, our neighbor raised some chickens in her backyard. She ordered a shipment of 5,000 live crickets for her chickens to eat. The package of crickets was delivered and left on her front porch, and a porch pirate stole the package. I often wondered what that person thought when they opened the box and found 5,000 crickets jumping out at them. Jesus said in Matthew 6:19 through 21, he says, Don't st store up treasures here on earth where moth and 
eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal wherever your treasure is there the desires of your heart will be also and the rich young ruler had possession uh, in luke 18 18 it says and a religious leader asked him saying good teacher what should I do to inherit eternal life? It isn't clear what kind of ruler he was. He might have been a prince or a judge. At least Jesus called him a ruler, and because he was a ruler, he must have had a place of prominence among the people. He seemed to have an interest in the life beyond this life. You know, it's sad that his interest began in this world and ended in this world. He said, good teacher, what good thing do I have to do to earn eternal life? Like many today, he thought he could work his way to heaven. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, this not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. Matthew nineteen twenty one said, Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Look at the choice he made in Matthew 19.22. says, But when the young man heard this, he went away very sad, for he had many possessions. He had reverence for God. Mark 10.17 says he came running to him and knelt down. He recognized Jesus was divine and honored Jesus by kneeling at his feet. You know, there's a universal misconception about salvation. This young man said, what good thing must I do? The Bible says there is salvation in no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. That's Acts 4.12. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, I'm quoting from King James for by grace are you saved through faith, and not, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. This young man's choice was riches or Jesus Christ. The young man was so close to salvation, but the uh, world had too great a hold on him. Someone will say, well, he was almost persuaded. He came so close. You know, to be almost persuaded to be a Christian is like the man who was almost pardoned but was hanged, like the man who was almost rescued but was burnt in the house. A man that's almost saved is damned. Exodus 23 says, 20 verse 3 says, You must not have any other God but me. He had, had to choose between his riches and the Savior. You know, that's the same kind of choice that you have today. You have to choose between what the world has to offer and what God wants you to do and what God has to offer. What will you do with Jesus Christ? The consequences of making such a poor choice as the young man did are found in Luke twelve sixteen through 20. It says, Then he told them a story. Jesus told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. 
But God said to him, You fool, you shall die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? You know, this farmer had everything he wanted and more. He had a bumper crop that year, still had so much wheat from last year that he decided he'd finally made it. He was rich. He thought he was comfortable. Like many today, he decided to live it up because his worries were over as far as he was concerned. God sent the death angel for him that night. What good did all his wealth do in eternity? I imagine he probably thought, I wished I would have made different choices. You know, God doesn't care if you're rich or poor by the world's standards. God wants you saved. He wants you to confess your sins to him, accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, and live and let God direct your life and, and make you have what God wants you to have for all eternity. That's right relationship with him and to be joint heirs with Jesus Christ, part of God's kingdom. God wants you to go to heaven, not to hell. I don't know how many times I've told people who were struggling that I said, you know, God wants you to go to heaven even more than you want to go to heaven. You need to let God have control of your life. That's why Christ died for your sins, so that you could go to heaven. What a joy to know all that that guilt and sin that you've carried for so long has finally been lifted. It's gone. The Bible says that God takes it and puts it in the uh, as far as the east is from the west, never to remember those things against you anymore. Talk about peace of mind. Talk about being rich. The Christian is rich no matter what his bank account says. I heard the story of a simple illiterate man who got saved through the Salvation Army. He went regularly to the Salvation Army Citadel. One day he came home rather upset, and his wife said, What's the matter? He said, I've just noticed all the people in the Salvation Army wear red sweaters, and I don't have a red sweater. She said, I'll knit you one. So she knitted him a red sweater. The next Sunday after he went to the Citadel, he still wasn't happy. His wife said, What's wrong this time? He said, I noticed all their red sweaters have yellow writing. They were both illiterate, he and his wife both, and she said, don't worry about it. I'll embroidery some, uh, embroider some writing on your sweater for you. She had no idea what the yellow writing on the red sweater of the Salvation Army said. Maybe you know what it is. It's a yellow circle, and in it, it says blood and fire. That's their motto. It signifies the blood that Jesus shed on the cross for our sins and the fire of the Holy Spirit which purifies believers. The wife had no idea what the letters said and she couldn't read anyway. So she copied a sign from a store window opposite their home. She embroidered, embroidered those words on, onto his red sweater. When he came back the next Sunday, she said, Did they like your sweater? They love my sweater. Some of them said they like my sweater better than their sweaters. Neither of them knew the sign on the store window, what it said. that uh, She copied it anyhow, and it read this way. This business under new management. You know, that's what getting saved means. That's what it means to be converted. 
That's what it means for the Holy Ghost to come upon you. This business under new management. Suddenly, Satan has lost his claim on you. You're set free from the bondage of sin. What a tremendous blessing that is for someone to not be enslaved by Satan and evil anymore. If you maintain your walk with Jesus Christ, you're out of reach of Satan's vultures. In 2008, I put our Holbrook property in a trust. Now nobody can put a lien on it. My property is out of the reach of the vultures. A congregation had been hoping to build a new building, but when they learned an existing building nearby was being foreclosed, they decided to buy that building and remodel it for their church. After a year of remodeling, a new baptistry was installed. The county building inspector wouldn't okay it. I can't, he said, unless the baptismal tank has a separate septic tank. The trustees couldn't understand why a septic tank was needed for a baptismal tank. The building inspector explained it's to avoid pollution in the ground. One trustee finally said with a grin, I guess it would pollute with all those sins washed away. Isn't it time to let Christ wash away your sins? The rich young ruler had a chance at eternal life. He settled for something far less that would soon pass away. He would regret that decision for all eternity. In Portland, Oregon, we had many homeless friends who lived on the street. Marty and I used to joke that we were probably the only pastor and wife who knew the names of each person standing on the busy street corners with signs saying, We'll work for food. One of the men we helped was Martin. Martin had been a successful businessman who owned his business. He had a wife and two daughters that he loved dearly. He had a nice, comfortable home and all the amenities denoting success. One day, Martin came home early and found his wife being intimate with another man. Of course he was angry and hurt beyond words, and so he grabbed his gun and began threatening both his wife and that shameful man. His wife called the police. Martin was arrested for making threats with the gun. He was tried and convicted and was sentenced to go to jail. While he was in jail, his wife sold his business, took his daughters, and departed for parts unknown. When Martin got out of jail, he was a broken man with no will to live. He started drinking and using drugs and ended up on the streets of Portland, a destitute, hopeless, basket case of a man. Sometime during this ordeal, he developed strange symptoms. One day, he passed out and ended up in an emergency room at the hospital. He was diagnosed with an aggressive form of cancer. One of his fellow homeless friends, Aaron, befriended him and tried to care for him as best he could out there on the street. We worked with these people as much as we could. We were probably in touch with 20 or 30 of them. One day at Thanksgiving time, we had a Thanksgiving dinner for the homeless, and Martin and Aaron came for the meal, along with about 20 other people. Thank God Martin found more than turkey and dressing. I'd given a devotion and an invitation, and Martin found Jesus Christ as his Savior.
the two friends started attending church. We stood with them in so far as food, clothing, and I even bought Martin's medicine on two occasions because he couldn't afford it. So I paid the $90 each time. I did it in the name of Jesus Christ, and I felt I got a blessing. Martin now had a whole new perspective on life. He studied his Bible. He became an ambassador on the streets of Portland for his Savior. I'd like to tell you that God restored Martin's business, his home, and he got his family back to him, but that just didn't happen. What happened was that Martin was able to work through his anger and hatred with God's help and find peace that he had never known before. Oh, what a release when you can turn that anger and that hatred, that bitterness over to God and have him clean up your life. Well, shortly after we moved to Phoenix, I learned that Martin had died from his cancer. But his death was victorious because he knew his Savior would soon take, be taking over his, his whole eternity and that he had a home in heaven with Jesus Christ. Listen, some of you are going through rough places in your life. Don't give up. Jesus can bring you forgiveness, strength, and peace, and a reason for living if you will let him. What we face here will seem so minor when we see Jesus Christ. We sing the hymn, It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. It will be worth it all when we stand before him and worship him. Don't miss it. If there's something in your life that you need to take care of with Jesus Christ, confess your sins. Ask him to be your savior. Satan's going to come around and say, well, look how much you'll have to give up. Look at what you'll have to do to change your life. He'll try to talk you out of the peace that only Jesus Christ can give. But let me remind you, Satan is a liar, a father of all liars. He's on his way to hell. And the only reason he tries to get you to think that Jesus isn't the answer is because he wants you to go to hell too. Listen, you don't belong in hell. Jesus Christ has provided a way whereby you can be forgiven of the wages of sin and you can know without a shadow of a doubt that you belong to Jesus Christ and you've got a home that's in heaven. We've got some days coming, I think, that are going to be pretty rough. We hear all this talking about a one-world church. We hear the talking about a one-world economy and how there's 87,000 IRS agents that are going to come out, try to find people and, and uh, put them under a lot of pressure. We talk about, you know, the Antichrist and all these things that are going on. But I want you to know you can have the security of knowing Jesus Christ and the peace that only he gives and no matter what comes, Christ will give you victory. He will stand with you and help you to be more than conqueror. Won't you accept him as your Savior if you haven't already? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I would ask that you help each one that's been listening to this message to realize that you are the answer to their needs. Sometimes we go through very difficult times and sometimes we want to get discouraged. But Lord, if we will turn to you, you will give us strength and help and joy for whatever we have to face. You will give us peace. And Lord, I just pray that my friends out here that are listening to this today will find a time 
very soon, maybe today, to confess their sins to you and accept you as their personal Savior. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, you know how to get in touch with me. My email address is R-E-V-W-M-W-W-O-O-D-S at gmail.com. That stands for Reverend William W. Woods at gmail.com. My mailing address is Box 4031, Sun Valley, Arizona, 86029. If you want to contact me, that's fine. I would encourage you to. That If you want to look up my website, it's uh, under churchofthegalilean.com. It's all lowercase letters, and you can see this, this sermon and other sermons I have preached. When you get there, look for There's Still Power in the Blood, or look for my name, Reverend Bill Woods, and it'll get you where you can hear the, the broadcast. God bless you. We'll talk to you later. Amen.